Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. So, Paul. Yes, sir. I know you've been itching to tell people about this all week, to brag on this new purchase of yours. I'm surprised we haven't already seen an unboxing video on YouTube. Paul, tell us about your new set of tires. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... I, I, we went out of town on Tuesday evening, and something in me told me not to bring my car. <laughs> and so we get back, and, you know, happened to notice my car is kind of lopsided. Uh, so we get back the next day, and I notice my car is lopsided. Keep in mind, it's only been one day. I drove it the previous morning, just around to work and stuff like that. But in one day, I come back, and the, the damn front right tire, uh, passenger side tire, is flat as a pancake. Like, ugh. Flat as a pancake. That is the worst. Um, now, I had, you know, I brought the car in recently, and it, it's it's due for new tires anyway. Um, they would have to have been replaced by uh, inspection time in June. But I was kind of hoping to wait a little bit and not do it right now. But, you know, the, the giant nail in my tire, right in the part where it can't really be patched. Well, that's, that, that is where the nails always go, right? Yeah. They're always going to go in the part that won't, can't be patched. <laughs> so I have four shiny new tires. Oh, so I call the, the car place and I'm like, hey, I have P20570R16. That's the, the size of my tires. And the guy's like, ah, we don't have any in stock. But I'm 90% sure that the P215 will work. I'm like, are you going to put like monster truck tires on my car? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's just like a little SUV. And because that's okay. He's like, we just have to make sure that they'll turn in your wheel well. I'm like, how big are these freaking tires? <laughs> um, and so, but they turn fine. You know, I, I, you know, my car's like floating on air. I should be taking every turn at like 90 miles per hour. Just to You got to put it up on two wheels, Paul. I should. Two, two brand wheels. new wheels. You got a lethal weapon, that shit. That's what you got to do. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, you and I had very much the same experience last week because uh, when I got done with the podcast, I discovered a nail in my front right tire, also too low in the tread to uh, uh, repair it. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, uh, we really recommend, we strongly recommend you replace all four. You've got 57,000 miles on these tires. They're 60,000 mile tires. It's time. And I'm bitching about it because that the number one, it wasn't how I wanted to spend my Saturday. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grousing about the expense and, you know, the wife's like, Hey, but you know, you drive Paul around on those tires, you know, precious cargo. I'm like, fine. <laughs> she really used that as her. She did. Wow. She, did. she absolutely did. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. we're going to be driving to Mancon, and right. I don't want to veer off the road in the Ozarks. My <laughs> precious Aaron. <laughs> I'm going to get that little that little window bumper sticker, you know, that says, you know, uh, you know, back off, Paul on board. I like it. You know? I like it. One of those little like yeah. baby on board signs, just uh -huh. scratch yeah. out baby and write in marker, Paul. I was thinking more along the lines of those, you know, really, uh, you know, anxious, high strung show dogs is kind of what I was thinking. OK, OK, OK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'm glad everyone was able to join us for car talk with Aaron and Polly. Yeah. Um, and now back to our regularly scheduled funny books talk. No, no, I don't want to talk about funny books this week. Yeah. Fuck those funny books. <laughs> <laughs> so you know I, 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 you know what i think we just reboot this show i think we get rid of the legacy numbering and we just reboot it and uh, as car talk car talk well, you know Polly. we are a few minutes into the show so it must be time for another marvel reboot yes it is I actually mean, how, how long has it been uh, i mean wasn't late. have there been two since uh since since secret wars ended Oh, there have been like four since Secret Wars ended because there was all new Marvel. There was all new Marvel yeah. now, all new, all different Marvel. I mean, there were there have been that there have been at least four or five. Um, since and, and, uh, the current one was like Legacy. Legacy like was uh, in on September twenty seventh, twenty seventeen. I'm looking it up right now. Um, that's when Marvel Legacy number one came out, and so 
you know, and that's when they decided, you know, we're going to go back to legacy numbering, you know, we're going to bring back all the things you love. Well, Marvel is doing another reboot called Marvel Fresh Start, um, in which they will do away with the legacy numbering that they just introduced five months ago. Um, and so Marvel Fresh Start starts in May. Um, with, and the first two books to launch it will be Avengers number one, which comes from the team of Jason Aaron and Ed McGuinness, and Venom number one from writer Donnie Cates, who's the current writer on Thanos, and artist Ryan Stegman. And I gotta say, as much as I'm annoyed that there's another goddamn reboot, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of excited about the Jason Aaron, Ed McGuinness, Avengers number one. The preview art looks pretty hot, and I'm not even a big Ed McGinnis fan, but uh, the, the cover art that Ed McGinnis uh, shared around this week is pretty damn hot. You know, you and I, I have very differing opinions on Ed McGinnis, and I get why a lot of people don't like his art. Mm-hmm. I like his art because everybody looks like He-Man. And right. I grew up. That's why, that, that's why I don't like the art. Yeah. I, you know, growing up on He-Man toys, like, that's why I like his art. I'm like, everyone looks like a freaking He-Man action figure. I love this. Yeah. No, I get I it. Have, and it's, so it's I have to say, looking toy. at the cover of this, like looking through the inside, not so much, but looking at the cover, a couple things really jump out at me. That is a horrible look for She-Hulk. Probably the worst I've seen her on a cover. Uh Everyone else looks fine on the cover, but we have Thor back with the hammer. Well, is it, though? He's got a gold arm and a gold hammer. Is that his hammer? We have Thor with a hammer. With a hammer. (laughs) (laughs) And Ghost Rider on the Avengers. And Black Panther. Black Panther's been on the Avengers. That one doesn't jump out at me. True. Well, I think they're trying to really push Ghost Rider again, which means we're probably going to get some type of media featuring Ghost Rider in the near future. Well, and he's been in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Yeah. Yeah. So I love the character, but I haven't seen anything good done with him in a while. Here's the thing. Um, Marvel seems to be wising up because I got to feel like they're paying Jason Aaron whatever the hell he wants to keep that they, guy. <laughs> they cannot afford to lose Jason Aaron. No. they Because, because they've, they've they, – how many of the – I mean, think about to the architects, right? That was Bendis uh, gone. Hickman, right. Hickman gone, gone. Um, uh, Brubaker gone, Brubaker gone, Fraction gone. Yep. The only one left I, is Jason Aaron. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I'm thinking. I think that. I think you're right. I think it's Jason Aaron is it. Yep. So I mean, so yeah, you know, whatever he wants to write, whatever he wants to be paid, Marvel's doing that. And I mean, it just seems like all the all the talent that we that that has really driven. Um, the Marvel universe is gone. Now, I mean, that's great. It's a huge opportunity for other writers, Yeah. but, uh, you know, a lot of what, a lot of what built the current Marvel and a lot of what built the MCU in terms of the cinematic universe is gone. Yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, I, I will say this, you know, I I read a couple of Marvel books, um, you know, hop in and out and I, I haven't read the, the current arc on Thanos, uh, but I hear it's actually really good. The one written by Donny Cates, mm-hmm. but Jason Aaron is the best writer Marvel has right now. Yeah. Um, Hands down. And I mean, I really like what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's one of those guys with a real vision, uh, of w- what kinds of stories he wants to tell and where those stories will go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, a Jason Aaron book here in just a bit, but, uh, you know, I really respect Jason Aaron as a writer. His, his work doesn't always land with me, but I recognize the talent and I recognize what he's doing. It's just, sometimes it's just a matter of taste. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's an, it's frustrating because they're doing away with the legacy numbering that they just reinstituted. Um, so it feels like they reinstituted it literally just to charge a bunch of fucking money for all these 700, 800, 500, 200, you know, issue numbers. And then now that everyone's hit their big milestone, all right, now we can go back to issue ones again and charge well, you this five bucks again. It does feel like Marvel doesn't have consistent leadership or a consistent vision in terms of their overall uh, mission or their overall objective. You know, I feel like, you know, they don't have a, a CEO at the top who's assigned goals and, you know, this is our five year plan anymore. Whereas used to, you had that sense. 
you know, like when, when Bendis started his new Avengers run, he had a plan. When Hickman yeah. started his Avengers run, he had a plan. And since Secret War, it just doesn't seem like they've been able to to stick much to the wall, although they have had some standout uh, stories. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Wayne and I really enjoyed uh, the Vision book yes. uh, by Tom King. Well, and Tom I think King. what was so good about that was that it was separate and off on its own yeah. and didn't get pulled into a single crossover. Exactly. Um, and and, you know, I have enjoyed, you know, I read Civil War, too, and it's not the worst book I've ever read. Uh, and it did spawn a couple of really good stories. Like, I've really enjoyed The Champions, uh, you know, which is their young superhero book. Um, I, I have, love Runaways. And again, it's off on its own. And the new the Hulk book, the She-Hulk one uh-huh. is actually pretty good, too. Well, and I have enjoyed uh, – I haven't read the entire run yet, but I have enjoyed the Amadeus Cho Hulk book as well. Yeah, I like that. Um, and I got to tell you, you know, I picked up the Bendis run of Iron Man. Uh, I started off with Infamous Iron Man, which was the Doctor Doom book, and I loved that, which got me into the rest of the Bendis run on Iron Man. And I've really enjoyed it. I'm currently in the uh, Ironheart books. I finished the first volume. I'm on the second volume now. I just started reading those. that Ironheart book, so I wanted I, 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 because of the same situation. I loved Infamous Iron Man. Yeah, well, and I was not expecting to enjoy the the Ironheart books. You know, the the Riri Williams, I think the character's yeah. name is. Uh, I wasn't expecting to enjoy that because it sounded ridiculous to me, um, and it's super good. Um, so you know, they're, they're ha- I, while I think that the overall continuity over there at Marvel in their, you know, their their you know cross line books is a little screwed up. Like I mean, I don't even have a clue on where to start with the Avengers, right? The Avengers looks like such a steaming mess that I'm like, you know, I'm just going to stay away from that one. I'm going to I'm going to pick these books off on the side. Um, yeah. For Avengers, I'm waiting for this huge crossover to end. Like crossover sounds interesting, but it's too daunting and overwhelming and too many books. Yeah. I want when it's over. I need, there needs to be just one or two Avengers books, not. Well, they 20. are. I think that's what's happening. I, I think they are doing away with all the Avengers books except Avengers. Um, I think that's part of this. If I remember correctly, reading that the this Avengers book is the only Avengers book. Now, I think it's going to be bi-weekly or twice a month, um, but it is going to be the only Avengers book. You know, years ago, Jeff Loeb said this about comics. He he said every year we should just do it in seasons, just like just like TV. He said we should just have a new number one every year. You know, you do your 12 issues, you take a brief hiatus, you come back, you do another year. And, you know, there, there's a certain appeal for me even for that because it, it helps ensure that the writers and artists can stay on time. Um, you get, a, you know, a major story arc, it, you know, more jumping on points, but you can still have like five-year arcs just with hiatuses in them kind of type of thing. I'm actually okay with that line of thinking. However... No, and that seems to be what's happening, but they don't really, you know, if they just were um, honest about that, 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 that's what they're doing. Like, if that was just the plan, then I would just expect it. All right. You know, here's Avengers number one for season 45. I'll read this, you know, it's like Doctor Who or something, you know, and, and I'll read this season and, you know, then I can hop out or hop back in for season two, that kind of thing. But it's. But the the fact that they're announcing it as more reboots and fresh starts and right. legacies, like don't even bother calling all this shit and branding it, you know, every year with something new because that's just rather annoying. What I find frustrating, and you know, here I am, somebody who's been reading comics for decades, it is challenging in the way comics are numbered today and the way volumes are re- rebooted, you know, over and over again, to figure out which books you need to buy. You know, if you're like, okay, I want to get caught up on on, uh, you know, the Bendis run of Iron Man, trying to figure out in what order to read those books without going to some wiki page is nigh impossible. Yeah. I mean, and you can't trust published dates because, you know, the the published dates that are put out there are the date that the that this version of the trade was published, not necessarily 
the date of the original uh, publishing. And yeah. so, you know, the, the way we used to solve that back in the 90s when we didn't care about such things was that we had, you know, you would have the the number of the, the issue number of the book. And then there'd be like on the Superman books, you'd have a Superman shield and it would tell you which chapter in the ongoing story it was. Yeah, you know? I loved and, that because those were also all tied together. Yes. You know, even if the stories weren't, you knew, you just knew the order of them. Yes. And, uh, and you knew that reading one book wasn't going to spoil the next book in the same line, right? And and that's what's so frustrating. I mean, I was trying to piece together, okay, where does infamous Iron Man fit into invincible Iron Man? Fit, I mean, and you you there's a volume switch in the Bendis run. And so I'm like, okay, well, why do we renumber here when it's still called Invincible Iron Man? It's the weirdest damn thing. Yeah. So if it's challenging for me, I can only imagine how challenging it is for someone who, you know, doesn't have years and years of comics reading experience, you know, under their belt to understand how to figure that crap out. They just don't make it easy on people. And I understand, you know, they don't want they don't want to put a number on the volume that says this is volume one in the ongoing Iron Man series, because, you know, when when they get to volume 10, someone's going, I'm not going to pick that up. I've not read the previous nine volumes. I just need some secret code on there that those of us in the know will understand. Yeah. So that I don't have to go and search on the online to figure out what's the goddamn reading order of these trades. I Sorry. am totally with you on that. You know, <laughs> just, and it's, it, it, it takes the shit out of me. <laughs> well, and keep in mind that all this is happening or simultaneous with the fact that, you know, Marvel seems to be building up to something, uh, starting with this week's Infinity Countdown Prime. Um, you know, that Infinity Countdown storyline is going to be going on simultaneous with the relaunch with this fresh start. So is, are we building up to another relaunch after another infinity crossover? Maybe, but it's weird with the reality gem in play. How can that not be the case? Well, this is true. Yeah. So Uh, I have a question for you, Paul. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I read infinity countdown prime number one, uh, this week. And, and the very first page is one of those things that I, that has happened. I, I recognize that it's happened in the Marvel universe some time ago. I didn't understand it then. I do not understand it now. And I'm hoping that you, Paul, my friend with new tires can help me through this. Uh, <laughs> you have new tires um, too. You have the same powers I do. <laughs> okay. So we've got this little chart of the infinity stones, right? Yeah. And first off, they used to all be gems. Yeah. Okay, and now you've got some that are just like you know lumps of rock, right? And I feel like that's it, it, because of the um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe because but like the, they're not all gems in the cinematic universe. So what I truly don't understand is that you know the the gem that we are the most familiar with that we've had more time with in comics than any of the other of these gems is the Soul Gem. Yeah, and that was the gem that Adam Warlock wore on his forehead from the seventies on on down. That gem was always a green gem. I do not understand why the soul gem is amber now, and the green gem is the time stone. Is that also because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I believe so. Because they colored them differently? Yeah, I think That's so. Irritate- that is irritating as fuck, let well, me tell you. Well, not only that, you know, th- so... Because you know, they- to, to, to return that stone to Adam's head, orange on orange is not going to look good. Well, there's that. <laughs> it's going to clash with his outfit. That's right. I mean, come on. There, there was a whole design aspect to that. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> and not only that, you know. So th- this first page, um, you know, it is all about the the Infinity Stones on their own. The stones provide great power, but when combined, they form a circuit, a positive feedback feedback loop, granting the user infinite power. Some time ago, the Infinity Stones were reborn and scattered, which I guess I missed when that happened. Uh, you know, when they were reborn, it must've happened in a book I wasn't reading. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I, mean, I've been aware that the infinity stones are, are, are back in play. I just didn't realize, I remember when they were destroyed, I guess I just didn't realize they had been reborn somehow that, that clearly happened. But this first page is confusing as shit. Uh, right. Um, so I get that combined, they, they provide infinite power, but the soul gem says powered by the user's mastery of reality. And the right. reality gem says, powered by the user's mastery of time. So it's like, you need one stone for the other to work? Is that how it works? Like, how, like, or is that, like, can, can the soul gem work on its own? It's, it's very confusing the way they write it. Um, 
Well, and we've seen that they can, right? Because yeah. I mean, that, that was the whole Infinity Watch thing, right? Back in the day, where where uh, you know Adam gave the stones to his buddies, so you know Pip had the what the uh, the space one because he could teleport, right? Yeah. And I forget which one that Gamora had, but you know, of course, Adam had the the uh, Soul Gem, mm-hmm. and the Soul Gem can rip out your soul. Uh, without you, without the aid of any of the other gems, so we know that they can function on their own. But this this certain map, this little chart that we've got here, uh, certainly doesn't describe that. But doesn't this feel like we're setting up a board game here, Paul? It really kind of does. You know, I, it feels like you know let let's play the Infinity Game. <laughs> so, yeah. Aaron, I rather disliked this book. Yeah, it was a terrible book. Um, it was a terrible. Book. I wanted uh, to particularly like it. particularly the Logan pages. The Logan pages are terrible. And not only are they terrible, holy shit. There's one scene that has a close up of his, his, whatever, blades. I don't know why I'm blanking on the. His claws. His claws through Loki's eye. Uh huh. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. close up. Like, in vivid detail. I'm like, this is, like, a bit much. Um, there's also yeah, another I- scene where you see Logan's, like, well formed ass and thigh gap. Uh, in jeans, <laughs> like it's like uh, I don't need a sexualized Logan in my book. And um, from what I've gathered, this is this isn't like old man Logan, is it? This is regular old Wolverine yeah. that's supposed to be dead. Yeah, correct. He's back. Yeah, he's back. Uh, I rather disliked this book uh, quite a bit. There's there's very little enjoyable um, or cohesive. Well, Cohesive is the is the word I'd use, or the absence of cohesion is exactly what I would say about this book because like where the page where you've got Captain Marvel uh, locates the Reality Stone and then it talks about all the other Captain Marvels in other universes. I'm just like what? Oh, and did you notice the uh, the uh, DC Comics Captain Marvel on that page? I did. That was funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like snuck in in the corner. uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was pretty hysterical. But the rest of this book is just terrible. It is is just terrible. And, you know, in one of the scenes, the Magus is is killed by Ultron, who's Ultron is pursuing getting the Infinity Gems, I guess. Um, But one, I really hate this version of Ultron. That's like half Hank Pym, half Ultron. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> and that's something that came about during uh, Secret Empire, I think. And second, like the in in the preview they show at the back, you see the cover Infinity Countdown number one, and you know, Magus is right there on the cover, so you know he's not dead. Like, let's uh, let's spoil that immediately. Right. Right. Um, I'm I'm still not entirely sure what's going on in the Soul World. Like, does Gamora not have a soul? Did I miss that? Well, she there is a. From way back in the day, like Jim Starlin time, uh, Gamora wound up, Gamora and Pip actually wound up in the Soul Gym, and Adam was able to resurrect them. Uh, but the, you know, it's kind of like uh, uh, in Star Trek Generation, uh, where you know once you enter the energy ribbon, a part of you always stays in the energy ribbon, which is how Picard's able to talk to Guinan uh, yeah. uh, there. Yeah, see, I, I I just made this Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Next up, double Klingon penis. But, <laughs> but, uh, no. <laughs> um, so a, an aspect, a piece of your soul always exists in the soul gym once you've entered the soul gym once. The soul, the soul gym holds on to a piece of you. So that's what that's all about. Yeah, I, uh, it, it's... I just I get it now now that you've described it, but this book was really bad um, to the point like you know I know it's just a preview you know it's like a zero issue for this Infinity Countdown stuff yeah and I was you know I was really excited about Infinity Countdown but I just don't know that I'm gonna get it yeah it, this book this book was bad and I get it it's not gonna it's gonna have a different um, artist but it's the same writer I often feel like the way Marvel writes these books is somebody's pitching in the room and instead of pitching the concept of a story, they pitch an image like, wouldn't it be cool if Wolverine's got an infinity stone? Picture that Wolverine and an infinity stone. And everyone goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Wouldn't it be cool? (laughs) You know? And instead of saying, well, how, how does he get, get the infinity stone and why would he have it? And what would he do? 
do with it and why is that logical and why is that a story we want to read rather than just a picture we want to draw. I, I do feel that way because sometimes you're like, God, that, that cover is badass. That image is badass. Yeah. You know, going through going through the uh, the Infinity Prime book or Infinity Countdown Prime, you know, they've got those uh, pages at the back of the book. They kind of give you the breakdown history of the stones, right? Yeah. And, you know, you're looking at some of those images, like there's that image with Reed Richards in the Infinity Gauntlet. And I'm like, that is super cool. And I, and I can imagine that when Hickman, and I believe it was Hickman's story, yeah. when Hickman uh, uh, pitched it, he's like, imagine Reed Richards, the world's smartest man, possibly the galaxy's smartest man with the Infinity Gauntlet. But I think the difference is, is that instead of pitching the image, he pitched the story, you know, which led into, you know, everything that we read through his New Avengers run, uh, you know, fed in, fed by by Bendis's uh, Illuminati uh, storyline into Secret Wars. But you get some of these other guys are just pitching. What if Wolverine had an Infinity Stone? But they don't they don't draw that out more, you know, because, I mean, come on. <laughs> you yeah. know, it seems like we, we should be seeing better and more awesome things. Agreed. You know, and I agree. That image with Wolverine holding that the Infinity Stone, uh, you know, that first time we saw it is really cool looking. You know, and 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 rife with possibilities. But all we've seen is, you know, Wolverine beaming around the Marvel universe doing nothing. Yeah. He's doing, he's just teleporting do, around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I did I, I will say I did enjoy his comment in this book. This bamfing around is a lot of fun. I thought that was funny, right? Yeah. But the, uh, the the rest of what they've done with him, and maybe they're just making us wait for our pudding. You know, they're making us wait for dessert. Uh, but I think they're I think they're delaying that gratification too much. If you're going to have him pop up in these books, instead of going, hey, look, you know, instead of a Where's Waldo? Hey, look, there's there's Wolverine. It ought to be look at him doing something cool. Because we're not seeing that. We're not seeing him do something cool. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. And as much as much as many of us might want to put our claws through Loki's eyeball, uh, I, I just I didn't think that was worth it. And I didn't think that it was well executed. No. So anyway, this was not a good book. And it makes me very concerned about the uh, the upcoming event. But I'm still in for it, Paul. I'm in for the first issue. Yeah. Did but I? I will tell you, like, if, I, if the first issue is not one where I'm going to be like, well... Uh, okay, well, it wasn't that great, but I'm going to give another issue. No, if the first issue is not great, I am immediately out. Yeah. Um, the only reason I'm giving it a shot is because of the nature of the characters and the, the story or the, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet. But like now I've, I've already been burned multiple times <laughs> um, <laughs> by Jerry Dugan. So this is yeah. this is his last shot. Um, Paul has full thickness burns. Yeah. <laughs> well, Get a cut down tray. <laughs> Well, you know, um, you know, you, you mentioned Hickman pitching like his storyline. Well, we're we're getting to the conclusion of Jason Aaron's Jane Foster Thor storyline. I think there's only two more issues after this week's issue seven oh four, um, which was uh, largely a transitional issue leading to the final battle between um, Mangog and uh, Thor. Yeah. So you know. I really liked the story when it began, but I don't remember why I got off of it. Probably because it got involved in crossovers or something. Yeah, probably. So, Aaron, I think you were a couple of issues behind, weren't you? Did you get caught up? No, I, no, I, yeah, I, I am caught up on this story. And uh, I got to tell you, Paul, it has the stink of tragedy on it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I truly feel like we're going to get to the end of this uh, Jane Foster Thor uh story and you know i i, I think we're going to be sad i i think uh something terrible is going to happen to jane i i i think the cancer is going to win out uh, yeah. it, it it has that same feeling like the death of captain marvel had um and yeah I, i'm sad I, i'm sad to say that because i think jane foster is a great character uh, and certainly has been a stronger better character in the marvel universe since uh uh you know, Straczynski took over the Thor books yeah. uh, way back when. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sad to see her go. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that's coming. I, I think we're going to, I think we're going to lose Jane. Well, especially, you know, she's a doctor, which I think a lot of people forget. Um, you know, in, in this, uh, in this issue, she looks at her charts 
and she realizes that she would have actually beaten the cancer. Right. Um, but you know, but she she has been told if you turn into Thor one more time, you're you're done. You're dead. And the and the idea is is that every time she uh, you know turns into Thor, you know, she of course becomes the Thor being, and when she changes back, the magic of the transformation returns her back to her natural self removing all of the cancer drugs from her body. And so she never enjoys the benefit of any of the chemo or radiation treatments that she's had. So she has essentially been going untreated all of this time, even though she has, she has taken treatments. And so, you know, her medical team has told her, you got you. You you can't turn into Thor because you have to use these. Uh, you, you you your body has to have these drugs in order to fight your cancer, and uh, you know it's just it's it's a horrible choice she's she's making because while you know she's in the hospital receiving treatment, she is aware that that, that a horrible horrible battle is happening on Asgardia between. Uh, uh, Thor and Odin and uh, a few others that are still left in Asgardia uh, fighting uh, Mangog, and so you know, and Mangog is all is all got a hard on for killing the gods. You know, an ongoing theme in the Jason Aaron Thor books because you know everybody that we meet in the Jason Aaron Thor books wants to kill the gods. You know, okay. we had the God Bomb story, we had the God Butcher. You know, uh, you know, folks just really like killing gods. It's it's kind of a pastime. But, uh, you know, something to pass, you know, yeah, I do love that, uh, you know, Thor Odin's son put his uh, hell dog (laughs) Thor (laughs) out on guard duty by the door to keep the hammer away, because uh, under Jane Foster's command, the uh, Mjolnir is intelligent. Right. And Mm -hmm. speaks to her from time to time and takes actions on its own. All things that the hammer never did while in the possession of Odin's son. And so uh, <laughs> Thori is outstanding guard at the hospital, you know, trying, you know, making sure that the hammer doesn't return because, you know, Odin's son was very clear, you know, you go away, leave her alone. She needs to heal. And so, you know, we get, we get such great dialogue from, uh, from, from Thori saying, no hammers allowed. <laughs> Thori, murder all hammers. Are you a hammer? And then there's a, a page later on where he is chasing a uh, repairman with a ha- with a you know hammer in his hand <laughs> yeah, because you know no hammers murder all hammers yeah. pretty hysterical. This is a great book. Um, it is. It, you know, like I said, it's largely a transitional issue because you knew what was coming. Um, but there's uh, there's a great moment between Freya and Loki. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the the Thory stuff. There's you know flashbacks to Jane Foster and a younger Thor and. Uh, you know, kind of the relationship they had, and even a little bit to the first meeting between Jane. For, well, yeah, the first meeting between Jane Foster and Donald Blake. Um, it's 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 like you said, it has the stink of tragedy. You know, I mean, the story's called the death of Thor, um, but right. you, you kind of hope that that's metaphorical. It's it yeah. doesn't seem like it's going to be. Yeah, it sounds incredible, and it also sounds like a book I'm not up to reading right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's it's a you know, it, it's definitely going to be a sad one, and it's leading up clearly to, you know, we we've seen the cover of Avengers number one that you know the Thor Odinson has the hammer or a hammer again. So we will certainly find out more uh, when we get to uh, in to when we get to May. I guess there's two more issues of this arc. Yeah, yeah. and so, that's uh, issue eight hundred, right? Is that what we're driving to? 705, 706. Seven, okay, sorry. Yeah, because they just hit 700. That's right. That's right. Um, so, you know, Marvel has announced that Chris Som- Well, I shouldn't say Marvel. So Chris Somney and Mark Wade um, have a current run on Captain America. Now, uh, in order to, to kind of lead the way or, I guess, pass the time until the uh, Marvel fresh start... Marvel's asked them to continue their run past issue 700. Issue 700 was planned as the end of their run. Um, and what has happened is that Mark Wade is staying on the book for a couple of extra issues. Chris Somney is not. Chris Somney, uh, his exclusive contract with Marvel is over. And he says he's d- um, done with Marvel. I mean, not in a bad way. He says he's enjoyed his time working yeah. with Marvel. Um, but he says he is, quote, super excited 
end quote, about what comes next. <laughs> um, and I, I got to believe that Chris Somni is going to be the artist. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they've announced artists for Bendis Superman books, but I've, I'm thinking that he might be, um, you know, maybe coming up on the second arc or something of one of those Bendis Superman books. Yeah, no, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And has I mean, Som- I'm trying to remember, has Somni ever been the artist for Bendis? I don't believe so. He's been working with yeah. Mark Wade for a long time. Yeah, I can't think of a single book that the two of them have been together on. Yeah, me either. Well, and Somni's sensibility seems like it will be right at home at DC. Oh, yeah. You know, so I, I, I'm excited to see him possibly go over to, to yeah, work I mean, it's DC. not been announced, you know, I'm just assuming, but it really feels like Somni's going to head over to DC, and I would be super excited about it. I would be just as excited <laughs> yeah. as, uh, as yeah. he is. And he likes Superman as a character. I mean, he absolutely when they did that books, uh, I can't remember the name of it now. The book where they had other creators tell Superman stories out of continuity. Right. Yeah, I don't remember the name. He, of it, but he jumped to be one of the first people to be part of that. That was, so. that was Adventures of Superman, by the way. Ah, OK. Yeah. Yeah. He jumped to be one of the first people to be part of yeah. that. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a good match. And again, it goes back to our original point. Marvel is hemorrhaging talent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so. why that fresh start is. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at it. He's been working with Mark Wade forever. So, yeah. this is your chance, Paul. Marvel's losing all of its talent. Yes, I have. Th- Marvel, if you want some it. some some talentless hacks, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> but in it, it, there's a lot of DC news that came out this week, um, both in movies. Well, I shouldn't say both in movies, in TV, and in the comics. Starting with the fact that DC. Um, much like Marvel has done in the past, is going to be leaving Diamond Distributors uh, and, and, you know, doing, I I guess, I don't know who's distributing them now, but they're going to, you know, have a separate thing from uh, the Diamond Distributors preview books. Yeah, at this point, uh, who cares about Diamond anymore? Well, there are some people who shops at the, who shop at the the comic stores. I wonder. No, that's not what I meant by it. I mean, with Marvel already having left and now DC leaving. Right. Yeah. They do still have some of the other companies, but it's only a matter of time then before they don't see the value in it either. I mean, Diamond has lost their marketplace. Yeah. I think they, they've uh, strong armed themselves out of business, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. Too bad, too bad for them. Also, uh, maybe too bad for Joss Whedon. He uh, left the Batgirl production uh, after a year of of uh, working on the script for the Batgirl movie. Um, he has acknowledged that uh, he accepted a project and uh, couldn't find his story. So he has uh, stepped away from that project. Well, and so I'm going to go on record and call bullshit <laughs> on Jaws Whedon not finding a story. He's like, I worked on it for months and I realized I didn't have a story. I'm like, bullshit. There's like 60 years of story right. that you could have drawn from. Um, it, it, I think that is his nice way of saying or his nice way of saying I was fired. Um you know? Well, and I think I think that given the cultural climate we're in right now, I think the optics of having a writer director on the Batgirl movie that's a guy probably not the best choice. Well, especially a guy who has been accused of right. you know cheating yeah. on his wife and sleeping around with women and sexually harassing people. Like Joss Whedon is not is is, is not favorable. In that view right now, yeah, or that, is he because he, he fucked up the very, Justice League movie, you know? <laughs> so that changed very quickly, too, because he was the poster child for feminist. And then right. all of this started coming out. I mean, it was a probably one of the biggest falls from grace on that particular topic that I've ever seen. Yeah, because, I mean, he really built his street cred on, you know, female hero with Buffy, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's sad to, to watch this kind of stuff, you know, fall away. But, uh, you know, hope I, I, I really would like to see a, a Batgirl movie. I truly would. I just hope that we get somebody involved with it who can tell a good story and, uh, you know, produce a great film. Agreed. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was a good idea to do a Batgirl movie. I've just, you know, I think we've all. Everyone here knows that I'm just not a, a Whedon fan, so yeah. I'm, I'm actually okay with this announcement. And, well, uh, I, I am super okay 
with the pictures we saw this week a Brainiac from the new Krypton TV series over on Sci-Fi. Hot that's damn, out those in, things look good. Holy those, crap. They're that picture, I should say. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the things in his head, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that is an Action Comics, Gary Frank accurate depiction of Brainiac. Yes. That looks super hot. That just looks super hot. I, I, I'm just I'm I, I'm getting more and more excited. Everything I see coming out about Krypton. And I know that uh, there has has been some mixed enthusiasm on this podcast about it. But I, I am. I can't I can't wait to watch Krypton. I thought it was a bad announcement to begin with. But then the more I see of it and the and the the more I hear about the story and the fact that it's it's kind of, you know, it's a Krypton show. But it seems like at least from what I've been reading, almost like a veiled um, Adam Strange show. Because yeah. it involves Adam Strange going back in time to, like, Back to the Future type, make sure Superman's lineage oh, continues. Wow, I hadn't heard that. I'm suddenly interested. Yeah. <laughs> um, you act. You just sold me on the show because of this whole time there's been nothing about it that has made me even remotely think about watching it. Adam Strange is on it and going back to save. Yeah, I'm sold. Yeah, that, that, that's that's at least I don't know if that's the concept of the first arc or the concept of the show, um, but apparently Adam Strange is, is definitely a character in the show. So I uh, he's hopping in the DeLorean and yep. he's driving back to back to the past. He's got to get back in time. Right. Yeah. It, it, of course, would have been better if it would have been Booster. But we yeah, never know but the they've got other plans for Booster. Up. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Adam Strange too, though, so I'm happy. To I think he probably would fit this story better than Booster would. Mm -hmm. Booster's a little more over the top. Yeah, and and like I said, they've got other plans for Booster. Um, I think in the cinematic universe. So I, I think uh, I, I I'm and the, if you had the Brainiac picture is awesome. Everything I'm seeing, any everything I've actually seen of the show, is making me more and more interested in it. So obviously we know that certain characters can't die or can they, um, you know, with, with time travel in play, but should be yeah, very interesting. The moment you involve time, the moment you involve time travel, everything is back on the table. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And another, Me too. Uh, another thing that I'm excited about, we're super excited. Can you tell this week on funny <laughs> books um, is that, you know, so we talked recently about how Scott Snyder is going to be taking over the, the reins of justice league in May. And, you know, we just talked about how Jason Aaron will be taking over the reins of Avengers in the same month. Um, well, they had an interaction on Twitter where Joss Whedon, or excuse me, not Joss Whedon, Scott Snyder says, crazy excited for Jason Aaron on Avengers, going to be epic. Jason Aaron says, cheers, Scott. Maybe we can work up a new Justice League versus Avengers crossover. Scott Snyder says, I would love to do that with you anytime. Huge congrats and good seeing you this weekend. I guess they saw each other this weekend. Well, Axel Alonso says, um, well, not it's uh, Tom Brevert says, right. uh, hopped in on this on the conversation and says, for you, I'll hold the line at two ninety nine. And it's <laughs> like, huh, OK, <laughs> like and, you know, uh, Tom Brevert's pretty high up. Axel Alonso was involved in the conversation as well. Like, it, I mean, it, I would I, now. Is it doubtful? Yeah, but would it be awesome to to have a Scott Snyder, Jason Aaron, JLA Avengers crossover? That would oh yeah, also be and, awesome. And if you're if they even just did like one large issue, right? Yeah, they wouldn't do that. They, if they were going to do it, they'd do, do a whole bunch of them. Yeah. But at least means they'd probably reprint some of the old crossovers. Yeah, because you you know you've got you know the the JLA Avengers crossover, and then you've got the JLA versus Avengers crossover. Plus you've got all those amalgam books. Uh, yeah. I'd love Well, and the Spider-Man Hulk and the, I mean, the Spider-Man Superman, Hulk Superman. Uh, I mean, I, those would be great to get digitally. Yeah. I'd love to see the uh, Marvel versus DC digitally. Yeah. And maybe it's out there. I haven't looked. No, it's it. not. But I, it if they not. released it, I would buy it. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure. No. I'm sure it hasn't been released digitally because of, you know, rights issues for republishing. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, man, I, I would love to get my hands on a Comixology guided view, high res, uh, uh, you know, HD quality scan of that stuff. Because, oh, yeah. you know, you can you can find it out there in CBZ format, you know, out there on the on, on the dark net. And I got to tell you, uh, if anyone could make that happen, <laughs> it would be Scott Snyder. 
And Jason Aaron, and right? Jason Aaron, I mean, right. those yeah, guys two, have pull. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, all those guys got to do is go out on Twitter and say, "Hey, you guys interested in that?" And you know, Twitter will explode. The, so. the problem with Scott Snyder and Jason Aaron is that it will take three years to build up to that storyline. Because <laughs> <laughs> they'll both want to handle it in continuity. Yeah, exactly. They'll start, you know, they'll start planting seeds immediately. <laughs> Well, with that conversation, switching over to the DC side of the house, we read a couple of DC books this week, including one I I really wanted to talk about, which is Superman number 41. Um, So this is is a fill-in arc written by uh, James Robinson. Uh, The first issue was drawn by Doug Mensch, but this issue, I think, was drawn by Ed Bennis. It is. Um, And so uh, it, it is very... So James Robinson clearly had a very lofty goal for this two-part story arc um, because he's trying to delve into the nature of religion versus atheism, um, you know, versus destiny or, you know, taking your own, taking charge of your own destiny. Um, And, you know, it's, it's told through the lens of this planet that understanding that they are going to die, much like Krypton, chooses to do nothing about it. And Superman tries to take that control away from them and, and save them and they they fight him um, on it but he finds a lone holdout who is trying to save his children or I guess his larvae or whatever um, you know so that they can be born on another planet and and continue life much like Superman right um, so I, I thought it was an interesting story I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on it guys Wayne you want to go first I found it overly heavy-handed. Uh, not nearly as bad as the the story where they were going in, on the tour of the U.S. for all of the various different, you know, patriotic sites. But I did find this one very overhand, you know, very much heavy-handed. No subtlety at all to it. Uh, I don't know what it is. This fill-in reminded me of that one so much. It's just, it was not a good story it's the kind of story you it's it should be in an all-ages book to be honest i agree i agree it it, it is certainly heavy-handed and you know beating you over the head with a message i there are aspects of the book that i like like i, I thought that ed benez's art was you know just spot on right he it was it, he, he he drew the hell out of uh, superman and john what i hate is not what he drew, but the design itself of the alien, the seahorse aliens. Um, I really, every time, every time they're in a panel, I'm like, God, that that's a terrible design. Just a terrible design. You know um, what I did like, Aaron? That conversation at the end about, uh, you know, I feel guilty because it was beautiful. Right. That well, conversation I liked. And I, I thought those those pages between John and, and Superman were, were really well done. Um, I appreciated that we put Clark in a place where he's got to, you know, stand there and essentially watch Krypton die all over again. Because essentially that's that's what this story is, is another world experiencing a similar problem to Krypton. And like Krypton, this world has done nothing to save themselves Unlike Krypton, these guys are aware of it, and their faith is what is uh, keeping them there. You know, and they're saying, "Well, you know, if it's the will of our God, uh, then we'll die." And you know, Clark's making the argument, "Well, maybe you know, I'm the guy that God sent, right? You know, maybe maybe I'm here to help, and you know, God wanted wanted uh, you know me to help you." It's kind of like the story of the the guy who is you know trapped on the roof of his house during the flood and he's praying and praying and praying that God delivers him. And, uh, you know, a guy shows up in a boat and he's like, no, 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 I, I won't get in the boat. I'm waiting for God. And the guy shows up with a helicopter and he says, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on the helicopter. I'm waiting for God. And then the guy drowns and God says, Hey, I sent a guy in a vo- boat and a helicopter for you. Why the hell didn't you get on? Right. Um, that's the argument that Clark is making. Um, what, what I one of the things I did not like about this book because I really did like you know that we're putting Clark in that same position and that he is the guy who is going to take the remaining life and culture from that planet and take it to another world just as you know uh, Lara and Jor-El uh, shipped him out into space you know many years ago. The thing that I didn't like is when uh, Superman is talking to John and 
Superman goes kind of uh, wishy-washy on the God subject. He does the whole, well, I believe in something. You know, I, 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 you know the, the, I've seen too much. The world's too big uh, for me not to believe in something. And that's what I, I believe in something. He doesn't get specific with his son about what he believes. And I think if you're going to poke that, if you're going to poke that storyline with a character like Superman, Superman is somebody who's going to tell you exactly what he believes. He's not going to preach it to you. He's not going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, proselytize to you. But he's going to tell you exactly what he believes. And he didn't do that here. And that's his son. He should be, you know, he's sharing all of his other values with his son. Why isn't he getting more specific here? And I'm sorry, a character like Superman is is not somebody who's got a real wishy-washy position on faith. I think that that he that Superman absolutely has you know has decisions internally about what he believes in. Uh it bothered me that he didn't go there here. Yeah, and I have a hard time believing that a character like Superman, a father like Superman, Jonathan would have to ask that question. Right. That he, he should already know that answer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, historically, you know, Superman has been rather depicted as a Methodist, you know, but through, through the years. I get that that's not where maybe the writers are with Superman now, but the, the you know, James Robinson – really wimped out on this one because I'm sorry, that is just not who Superman is. Superman absolutely would have told his son what he believed. Yeah. And in a world where you've met the specter. Yeah. It's hard not to acknowledge it, you know? Yeah. 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 So anywho, I, I, I think that the book is beautifully drawn. Uh, and like I said, those last couple of pages with uh, Clark and John are just gorgeous to look at. Um, I wish that I liked the design of the alien more because I would like to see what happens with these aliens that they're going to go plant on another planet. Yeah, we're never going to revisit that. No, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think this was a, a great idea, poorly executed. I yep. do. Um, and which is sad because there there could be a lot here, um, but it, it wasn't given for as heavy handed as it was. It wasn't given enough emotional weight. I mean, he he, he, he is standing on the planet as it dies. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and then the next in three pages later, they're talking about ap- apple pie and ice cream. Well, and don't you think I mean, you know, John's 13 years old, 12 years old. Yeah. Uh, um, he had just saw an entire world die. I'm going to guess that kind of messes you up. Yeah, it just it wasn't given enough. It was it, the the parts that were given too too much weight weren't the parts that should have been given weight. And, and you know, it, it was definitely a fill-in issue. And James Robinson, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with his same uh, here, his same here, his writing. So it, it, I, I'm sorry that this one didn't. It, it's it is a great idea, yeah. but um, because it was poorly executed. Now, when an opportunity arises to do this idea, um, well, it's not going to happen. Like this is, you know, there, we're not going to see a suicide planet again, and you know, anytime soon, ever. Yeah, maybe ever. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Well. You know, since we're well, talking about Jonathan Kent. Yeah, and, you know, Jonathan Kent, obviously, he is uh, one of the uh, two uh, stars of uh, Super Sons. Wayne, you like Super Sons, right? You like yourself some some Damian Wayne, Jonathan Kent team up, right? I do. Well, too bad the book's been canceled. What? Yeah. <laughs> too bad for you. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, uh, as part of the Bendis launch, relaunch of the Superman books, this along with Superwoman, Supergirl, I think the Chinese Superman book as well have all been uh, canceled. You know, canceled so, Wayne. Some of those I'm really okay with. Yeah, all of those other than Super Sons, I'm really okay with. <laughs> yeah, I like there being a Supergirl book, even though I don't read it. They say that there will continue to be stories with John and yeah, uh, Damon. Yeah, so that that that's good because you know you worry. They've not really we've not seen any preview art of the Bendis run that shows Jonathan Kent. But Pete Tomasi says, wow, the love and sadness for Super Sons being canceled is knocking me out. So before too much time passes, let me be the first to tell you that I'm not done with our two favorite boys and new news will be forthcoming soon. It is not being canceled for bad sales. There are plans afoot I can't share at this early juncture, but you will be happy with the results. Super Sons lives. So perhaps 
we're getting a young justice book or something instead. I don't know. Um, but you know, it, it sounds like Pete Tomasi will continue writing these characters, but maybe not in a book called super sons. I just am afraid he'll be going over to teen Titans and take Jonathan to teen Titans. Cause Which I don't fine. want to read teen Titans. I'm okay. No, with it because not. if Pete Tomasi's writing it, that's, that's fine with me. I don't care for that cast of characters they've got over there on the oh, Titans. Fair. Yeah. So, guys, what did y'all think of Super Sons this week? So, before we get into the book proper, I know, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'm the only one, but Dustin Nguyen is one of my favorite artists, comic book artists, mm-hmm. um, and the variant cover on this book, the watercolored, yeah, it's hot. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's hot. That is an yeah. awesome, awesome cover. Yeah. Especially, you know, like, in the Blade, you see the, you see Jonathan Kent's reflection. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's sweet. Sweet cover. Yeah. Um, but the book itself, I mean, I thought it was fine. Uh, it, it's, yeah, I, I enjoy when Talia al Ghul pops up. Sometimes she's a bit more, sometimes with Talia al Ghul, she's a bit more menacing than in other ones. She, mm-hmm. this is one of those not so menacing <laughs> portrayals. Yeah, of she Talia didn't Al-Ghul. seem, she didn't seem particularly competent in this book. No, you know, she didn't, she didn't seem, yeah, Talia usually appears very smart. She, like Batman, she's thinking steps ahead. And uh, she didn't seem to, to be that. But I, I I interpreted that that maybe she's manipulating Damien. I would. I, it feels that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. I assume she's manipulating him. And I have to say the art on her. I, I loved how she looked. The design. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the art in this book by Carlo Barberi. I've, he's done a, a number of Marvel books. I think he got to start on doing like all ages uh, Spider-Man. Um, so I, I, I really think his art is well suited for this book. Yeah, and I, I particularly enjoy any time we get to spend time at uh, the boys' headquarters, you know, their little junkyard HQ at the bottom of Morrison Bay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just cracks me up that we're using cargo containers, old school buses, you know, uh, you know, just whatever sort of item that they can – that uh, Superman and Batman were able to cobble together uh, sort of amuses me. But yeah. – go ahead, Wayne. Yeah, I really enjoyed this story because – it's one thing that's always kind of bothered me about the Damien and John dynamic is that Damien was trained to be an assassin. He has mm-hmm. killed people. He has all this history. Jonathan has never, while part of him has to know about it, he's never had to face it before. Right. And that's what I love about this story is that this is coming to light. He's having to face that this person that he jokes around with and that he's friends with has killed people. And has I, a truly dark past that he's never had to acknowledge before. I did really enjoy Damien's comment to John because, you know, John says, uh, I can't wrap my head around you being an assassin or he's about to say that. And Damien says, don't play dumb, John. You knew about my past. I mean, I just I love how Damien's holding Jonathan accountable for, you know, Jonathan being able to kind of push that aside. Because you're right. It's the first time Jonathan's had to had to deal with it head on. Yeah. So, you know, the, the book leads up to, uh, you know, what Talia's up to. She has accepted a contract to kill somebody because, as Damien says, he believes that his mom's trying to put some money together to uh, rebuild her network. And, uh, you know, her contract is to kill Lois Lane. So Damien's mom is out to kill Jonathan's mom. So it's that whole, my mama and your mama were hanging out the clothes. My mama hit your mama right in the nose. What color was the blood? I've, I've never heard such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a D there. You got to put your taters in, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what the hell? <laughs> well, rather than go down that thread... Let's uh-huh, talk yeah. about another team-up book that came out this week. The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman, written and drawn by um, artist Liam Sharp. Uh, you know, this features Batman and Wonder Woman, uh, you know, teaming up to help the the fairy tale city of Tirnanag. Tirnanag. Um, oh, you the Irish people. Yeah. So, Aaron... Um, yeah, you know Liam Sharp, obviously, you know Irish artist. Uh, I I I I adore Liam Sharp's art. Um, so I you know, I picked up this book purely because of that. I'm not familiar with his writing skills, um, but Liam Sharp is a great fantasy artist. I rather hated this book. 
Yeah, you know this this book is brutal. Um, it's it's a pretty book to look at. Yeah, it's gorgeous um, to look at, but especially it, there's two page spreads that are just beautiful. Yeah, no, it's it's a gorgeous book to look at. And, you know, if you're somebody who likes that sort of Irish, you know, fairy folk art sort of sort of look, you'll really enjoy looking at this book. I can't imagine that anyone other than perhaps Liam or his his mom enjoy reading this book because uh, this book was excruciating to read um um, it just there is no flow to it the the dialogue is awkward um i got to to where i was skipping pages i got to where i was really like i don't know that i can finish this book because this like this one page has taken me fucking five minutes to read because there's so much exposition um, you know, and it's like, I, I, this is boring, but I feel like if they just brought in a different writer, they could wipe out all the word balloons, fill them with good writing. And I would love this book. It is 100% yeah. the writing. I read all, everything in the book up till, uh, we got to the homeless camp mm-hmm. in Gotham. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm done. And so then I was I, I, I literally just scanned through all of that. And, you know, you get back to uh, the ferry highway where uh, uh, the, the, the big ferry guy and Wonder Woman are, are crossing. And again, I'm skim. I skimmed every single page just so I could kind of get the gist of the story. But I mean, the the sheer volume of exposition and the awkward way in which the narrative and the dialogue were framed was I mean it it was work it's to brutal. get through it this. is a yeah. brutal book to read. Um yeah. it, it is gorgeous to look at and you know I, I wish they would just release it un unlettered. Uh it's yeah. I, I hate to say that because Liam Sharp is such a talented artist, but as a writer, wow, this book was bad. And uh well, I, I will, and I will say the rest. I will say one of the things I think is a problem with the book is that the movie is Brave and the Bold. It's team up with uh Batman and Wonder Woman and yet in the entire first issue, Batman and Wonder Woman aren't, aren't in the same room. They're not in the same setting. They're both dealing with the same issue, but they're essentially on their own. Well, to be um, fair, Wonder Woman's busy having sex. With Steve Trevor, and I appreciate that. Um, but I, I, I just I, – I think that we are – this is another one of those examples where they're, they're decompressing their story so much. You really should have put these two together from the jump as opposed to – uh, delaying it until possibly issue two, maybe issue three. I yeah. don't know. I would have them, I would have, you know, even if they're just teamed up and then you flash back. Right. You know, something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's part of the reason, you know, that cover is the reason why you buy the book that cover with all three of the main characters. You know, you've got the big, the big fairy guy, uh, who is like a cousin to pan, uh, you know, and then you've got, you know, wonder woman and Batman. You want that scene. Yeah. You want to see those three guys together and you don't get that in this book. No. So I am I am sorry to say that I will not be picking up any more of yeah. this arc. Yeah, that's too bad. I mean, because it, it, like I said, the, the artwork is just gorgeous and it deserves to be looked at and appreciated. Yeah. Um, I, I think this, uh, as you said, I think this is another example where uh, the artist writer is not skilled enough to carry off the whole thing. And I would have preferred to see that the artist develop his story and let a writer come in, you know, a, a talented writer, a skilled writer, I should say, come in and do the dialogue and the narrative for him. Just write it the Marvel way, in the Marvel yeah. method, right? The, the writer, yeah. the artist, you know, just go ahead and, you know, put together the story, draw your art, and just have someone else come in and do the lettering. That's it. Yeah. The do the right, you know, the, doing the, do the actual story. Yeah. But anywho, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to say I, I, I can't recommend that one. No. But you know what I can recommend? What's that, Paul? Well, next week is kind of a slow week for us. I mean, there's new issues of Action Comics and Detective Comics, including, you know, the the trial of Batwoman as a result of her her actions. Um, but what I can recommend picking up, even though I haven't read it, but you should all read it with us, is the Terrifics number one um, from oh, man. DC Comics. The- the long-awaited Terrifics number one. I can't wait for this book. Yep, Jeff Lemire, Ivan Rice uh, are, are are doing this. They're basically their version of the Fantastic Four, which features Mister Terrific, Plastic Man, Metamorpho, and damn if I can remember who the uh, the female character in it is. Phantom Girl, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and I am. I have been. 
super excited about this book since it was announced. Uh, really looking forward to, to it coming out next week, finally. Um, so, yeah, that, that is one we will absolutely be talking about. And if you want to talk about it with us, pick it up on Wednesday. And when we record on Saturday, um, you know, before we record on Saturday, leave us, uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter at IOMGeek, on Facebook, IOMGeek. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Twitter is at Ideology Madness. IOM Geek also works as well. IOM Geek also works as well. Yeah. Facebook, IOM Geek. Instagram, IOM Geek. Ideology of Madness at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on the Ideology of Madness hotline. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. And Paul, they should also probably check out the conversation over in Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, where we talk about the the much-anticipated double Klingon penis. Yes, we do. We're at so, length. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, check that guy, Check that out, guys. Uh, Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is available on the Funny Books feed as well as on its own feed. Um, the Star Trek with Aaron and Polly feed is also available. So check us out. Let us know what you think of that show as well. Have a good week, guys. Paul, go drive on those tires. Ooh, I'm going to do it. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.